crucified and hung on the cross. He was letting them know tonight that uh, this Jesus whom they crucified, He's telling them that He is the Messiah tonight that they had been waiting for for all these years. Alright? Now, as Peter was telling all these boys this, these Jews here, you and I know that at this time they are getting pricked in their heart. God is preparing their heart uh, for the message that Peter is preaching here. Keep that in your mind as we study this. All right, they're becoming convicted for what they've done, Lord Jesus Christ. It's like watching a lost sinner when they uh, hear the gospel, uh, maybe for the first time, or when God begins to deal with them. And I, I don't know if you get to see it or not, but I get to see it, and they get that look, like, "Oh my goodness, what have I done?" And that conviction sets in, and they begin to realize. So here's these Jews tonight. Conviction is settling in. They're understanding tonight. Uh, that they hung their Messiah on the cross, alright? So not only have we been looking at all that, as Peter tells us about Jews at news, uh, we've been looking at Peter as he's told them the good news as well. Uh, he's using the prophet David of the Old Testament here to bring home this New Testament truth to those devout Jews. And that's what we see him doing in verse number 31. He is still yet using Psalm chapter number 16 and he's still trying to get these Jews' attention here and it's working tonight as we'll see in other verses as we travel on through the Word of God. So not only was he telling them about Jesus who was hung on the cross, he was telling them about this same Jesus that was alive and well like He is in our day tonight. You know why we can brag on God tonight at what He's done? It's because He's alive and He's not dead. Amen, friend. If we had a dead God tonight, we couldn't brag on Him. But we've got a God worthy of being bragged upon tonight. But alright, so He's telling them here that He's alive and that He's well. And we see that He told Him that in the last verses we studied. Uh, where the Bible said in verse 29, the Bible said this, Meaning, brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Now, up to this point, Peter was talking about David and what David had said here, and he's driving home the point that Jesus lives. He said, Jesus, whom you crucified, is not dead, but he's alive. Here he's letting these Jews know tonight that even though David was a highly respected man, David was a human and David was dead. His body was in the ground. Alright, if you went to the uh, uh, grave of David, you'd dig up his bones because he's dead, okay? So as we said in our last study, those Jews held David in high regard. David was a respected man. And they still yet visited his grave as far as I know this day. Alright? So he's a popular man, but David's dead. Jesus Christ is alive and well. We read that verse 29, then we read verse 30 as well, where the Bible says, Therefore being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh, he had raised up Christ to sit on his throne. Now as we looked in our last study, I'm backing up and I'm taking my time tonight because I want you to understand this. As we looked in our last study, Jesus Christ did come from the loins of David. Alright, we know that He come through that line 
of David. Just like the Word of God said that he would. Or right, just the prophecy was fulfilled. And we know tonight another prophecy will be fulfilled as well. Jesus Christ will sit on the literal throne of David, the Mount of Olives, one of these days. We know that he'll rule and that he'll reign there forever. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus Christ will be the light of it. And friend, I've heard the songs. It'll be springtime forever. And I guess it probably will. I don't know. But I tell you what, it's going to be a rejoicing time. He's going to be the light of the new heaven and the new earth. He's going to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And the one who bore that crown of thorns will one day bear the crown of a king. Hallelujah, friend. He's going to rule and he's going to reign. Peter's trying to drive home the fact tonight of this truth. He's letting these Jews know that this Jesus whom they crucified is both Lord and King. And friend, that day is going to come to pass and we're going to see it unfold one of these days if you're saved and born again. Friend, I'm telling you, I'm not a betting man. But I go ahead and bet on what the Bible said because that's really not taking a gamble because God said it, God did it, and it's going to happen. It will be fulfilled. That's going to be a wonderful day, is it not, for the child of God. Well, this is what Peter is telling these Jews here. And now let's look at some other things as well. Let's read verse 31 again. The Bible said, He's seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now we know, we looked at this earlier, we know David said this because Peter said it earlier in their text. But not only did David say this, but listen to this, I caught this. The Bible says, seeing this before. So now, not only did David say it, David saw it. Now imagine that tonight. And he saw that tonight. How did he see it? The Spirit of God revealed that unto David. And through prophecy, we know tonight that through the Spirit of prophecy, David was not talking about himself. David is talking about Jesus Christ. David had foresaw the resurrection of our Savior. And he saw that his soul was not left in hell. He saw that his flesh... Did not see corruption. Jesus' flesh, and David saw that his flesh did not see corruption. Alright, see those Old Testament prophets, they were called seers as well. And all that means is they could see things before they happened. Now, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you tonight on whether they knew or whether they didn't know what they were seeing. All I know is they saw. That's what the Bible states. But in this part of the text, we have no doubt that David had been able by God to see one of the greatest doctrines come to pass of our Bible before his eyes, which that he saw Jesus Christ coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. But not only did David see it, he saw Jesus as he came to suffer and to die and bleed. All those, a lot of those songs of David talk about a suffering Savior. So, he saw Jesus wearing the crown of thorns. So that you and me tonight might wear the crown of life. Hallelujah, free And these prophecies about Jesus Christ here were given to David. And they weren't only given to David, they were given to other prophets as well. Isaiah 53 comes to mind. Uh, you'll find Christ in the book of Zechariah. You'll find Him in other, te- in other places as uh, Shiloh, who is to come. Alright, so you see Christ all throughout the Bible. 
Alright, so those prophecies were given and Jesus gave these things for these prophets to see and to pin down so that the disciples and Jews and so that you and me might have the faith tonight that we can believe what God said. You understand tonight, faith does not come by you and me. There's no way we can work faith up. Alright, the Bible said this in Luke 24 and 44. And he said to them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Some of that's been fulfilled. The rest will be fulfilled as well. His soul is not left in hell. Jesus sits on the right hand of God the Father tonight, interceding for you and for me, hearing our prayers, taking them to God, and then answering our prayer. Ain't that good tonight? Yeah, sometimes we don't get the answer that we wish we did. But boy, when we do, we ought to shout the house down. Amen. But hey, He takes those petitions that we make, takes the ones that we made tonight, all at the same time, takes them to God the Father, and He says, listen, they're talking to you again. Ain't that good? Well, let's read another verse and see what it said. The Bible said in verse number 32, This Jesus that God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Now Peter has been telling these Jews that Jesus lives. He's driving home the point tonight. And he's been telling them that David prophesied about it. So it was kind of like he was telling these boys tonight that y'all should know this. I mean, if you think about it, he's, he's letting them know these scriptures that they should have knew. And it's kind of like he's saying, y'all should know this already. All right, because the Old Testament deals with Christ. Those devout Jews were, I mean, they studied the Old Testament Scripture. Did they not? He was letting them know that here's this man named David whom they highly respected. He himself even told the world about Jesus Christ. So what Peter's doing here is that he's giving these Jews all the evidence that they need tonight to know that Christ was real and that Christ lives. But now he's going to give them another truth. Look at this part of the verse. The Bible says, whereof we are all witnesses. Oh boy. He told them that this Jesus that God raised up. But then he said, if all this ain't good enough for you, boys, I've got some witnesses that are alive. That's kind of what he's saying here. And friend, not only did he have a few witnesses, he had 120 of them. 120 witnesses tonight. Listen, if you have 120 people come to you and tell you the exact same thing, what are you going to believe? I mean, I would hope if 120 people told me where to go get my oil chains for a good price, I believe I'd listen and go get my oil chains there. Don't you? Listen, you can pin down what Peter's saying here. There were 120 people in the upper room tonight, and they had felt and heard the Holy Spirit of God come down. They had heard as these men spoke in other languages tonight, and they had felt the presence of the Lord fill the room, and it just so happens that now they were also witnessing these Jews, the glorious grace of the gospel of God, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter is taking aim like he's got a shotgun, and he's taking aim and he's spraying at these devout Jews tonight with the gospel of the grace of God. Friend, listen, he's telling that Jesus Christ is alive after crucifixion. I've got witnesses. Y'all better listen up. Alright? Not only had he been seen by a few, he'd been seen by those 120 in that upper room. Now, bear with me. 
They could all bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How'd they do that? Well, listen, it's not that they actually saw the resurrection, okay? But what they did see is they saw Jesus alive and well as He came and talked to them. Now, it is Jesus who came to them. It's Jesus who walked with them and talked with them. It's Jesus who ate with them. And He had invited them to touch Him even. And to be convinced, He was doing all that to show them that He was not a spirit as some supposed. And we see that in Luke 24 and 39. Where the Bible said, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Then He says this, Jesus says, Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Christ did not only resurrect in spirit, His whole body rose from the grave. He's in that resurrected body. He said, if you don't believe me, touch me and find out. That's what He's saying. Jesus rose in bodily resurrection. What does that mean for you and me tonight? Well, that means that one day, because He rose, we'll rise. Amen. Peter was giving them the record of the matter tonight that Jesus died on the cross. He's letting them know the fact of His death had already been determined. And Peter wanted these Jews that he's talking to here tonight to know all that just as surely as he knew it. That Jesus of Nazareth had arose from the tomb as they could know tonight because many of Christ's followers seen Him after the resurrection. Many people saw Him. And not only did they see Him, they were willing to testify of it too where he wouldn't have said, I've got witnesses. Alright, so he's telling these Jews. It's basically like he's saying this. He's saying, if you don't take David's word for it, and if you'll not take my word for it, then pow, I've got 120 witnesses that are alive you can listen to. Hey man, it should have been very evident to these Jews tonight that Peter wasn't trying to feed them a line of hogwash either. Why is that? Peter and the other believers here at Pentecost were not seeking fame and fortune tonight. And these Jews should know that what they were saying is true because what they were saying tonight is this. They're talking about the Gospel of Christ and that could have got them killed. It's right there, Johnny on the spot. But it's here tonight. We see Peter and this 120 who are willing to stand up and declare that they had seen Jesus Christ alive after His crucifixion. These Jews should know that the witnesses are true because they were opening themselves up to suffering, beatings, being hung on the cross themselves. And friend, listen, regardless of the risk tonight, Peter is still yet standing up, boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's proclaiming tonight that Jesus is alive and well and he knows it because he saw it with his own eyes and he's saying not only did we see it but he's telling him we saw him go back up in the cloud tonight as well he is telling them all these things that Jesus lives and now look while we're at it let's read verse 33 the Bible said therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost he has shed for this shed forth this which you now see and hear Peter is now going to explain why all this is taking place. Listen to him closely. He's telling those devout Jews there that this Jesus is on the right hand of God whom ye crucified, whom he died and rose again. And if you'll remember with me, that right hand of God uh, speaks of power tonight. So Christ is in the place of power. Now, I'll say all that. To say this, 
That's right where Jesus was when the world was being made. At the right hand of power. And that's where it is now. Where's your Bible? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God, who is sundry times in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed, heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down at the right hand of God. John 17, verses 4 and 5 said this, I have glorified thee on earth. This is Jesus. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Catch that? On the right hand of power tonight. That same Jesus whom they had crucified, if it hadn't been for Him tonight, they would have never had been created, first of all. Neither would you and I, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So He he made us all. The Creator Himself became the curse. Alright, God died. He was all man and all God. He died on the cross, but now He's back on the right hand of God. What does that mean tonight? It means that He's in control right now in America. Uh, He's seated in the place of power again tonight, which is right where He began the first place. And we know that that's the place of power. So that goes to show you and me tonight that man's not in control. They may think they are, but Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still in control. He did rise again. He is coming back to get His bride. And I'm telling you, free him. One day He's going to rule and He's going to reign. Peter is telling these Jews all this stuff that is happening. He said, you ought to know because it's written over here. Child of God, we ought to know because it's written over here. Amen. It's Christ that the saved the earth. Hey, it's Christ and the saved of the earth. Who have the final say. Are you hearing me? Satan will be doomed. And it's all because tonight. Of the one. Who sits on the right hand of God. So Peter tells these Jews all this. Then he also says. Having received of the Father. The promise of the Holy Ghost. Well we know that the Holy Ghost. Would have been promised to come. He's here with us tonight. And if you're Satan and born again, you've got the promise of the Holy Ghost. We know that. We looked at that. What does that mean? Well, even though the world's crazy, we've got comfort in the world tonight. Where it seems like there's no comfort, but all because of that promise of the Holy Ghost of God. You and I have so many more things in this life as well. You can have victory over sin. Victory over death, hell, and the grave tonight. What Peter's doing here is he's letting these Jews know tonight that all this has come to pass. He said, this happened. So here's another scripture fulfilled for you and me tonight. The Bible said in John 14 and 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You know what? He'll teach us all we need to know about God if we'll listen. Listen to John 15 and 26. But when the comforters come, I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of Me. Do you understand what happened the day you got saved? 
He testified of Christ. The Holy Ghost of God testified of Christ to you and I sitting on a church pew one day. If the Holy Spirit had not came knocking, if He hadn't came drawing, we could have never been saved. I mean, I'm glad Jesus left behind the Holy Ghost of God for us, aren't you? And I'm glad He's still here today. That means there's still hope for humanity tonight. Alright? He left all that. He left it so we'd be comforted. And the Bible said this in John 16, 13 through 15. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you in all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath in mine, therefore said I, that He shall take of Mine, and shall show it unto you. So He also knows tonight that what we, uh, what we read is real. And He lets us know that it's going to come to pass. None of that would not have ever happened tonight if Jesus Christ had not have left the Holy Ghost of God behind for you and me. Here's Peter standing up amongst this crowd of Jews announcing to them tonight that the promises that were made by Jesus before He ever suffered and bled and died, a lot of it's been literally fulfilled. The gift of the Holy Ghost had been sent. And surely those who witnessed the occurrences there at Pentecost Surely they recognized all this. That 120 in that upper room were God's chosen vessels tonight who had been chosen to spread the gospel of Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have been sent to spread the gospel, which is the only gospel there is, by the way. And they have spread it not only to the nation of Israel, but they have sent to proclaim it unto the uttermost part of the earth. I just want to say that I'm glad tonight the gospel got spread to our little town one day. Just think of where you and I might be right now if God hadn't sent the Holy Ghost to somebody and put it in their heart to preach unto you and me the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter tells them that, but then the same verse tonight says this, He has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. He's telling these Jews that this is how they heard what was spoken in their own language. This is how it all come to pass. He's given them one more proof tonight that Christ is on the right hand of God. And it's because the Holy Ghost of God had been left tonight to lead and to guide these devout Jews into all truth. Amen. The only way that such a miracle could ever happen is by the Holy Ghost of God being come down at Pentecost. These men wasn't drunk with wine. That's those... Scoffers said these men were filled with the Holy Ghost of God. The truth is now undeniable for these Jews here. The Holy Ghost has come that God had promised. And now these witnesses here in our Bibles have been empowered to spread the gospel, the grace of God to all men in all places. Do you understand tonight that's exactly what God has empowered you and me to do tonight? So let's all take the gospel and proclaim it everywhere that we go, by the life that we live, by the things that we do, by the things that we say. I heard Brother Buster Mullins preach this one time, and he's preaching to uh, a guy getting ready to take a church, and he said, remember, you're a man of God on Monday. You're a man of God on Tuesday. You're a man of God on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it starts over again. Well, child of God, you're a child of God on Monday. You're a child of God on Tuesday. 
Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then it starts over again. Let's take the gospel. Spread it throughout the land. Aren't you glad for the day that you heard the gospel? Fred, I know that falling under conviction is unreal. But boy, when you come to that altar and God saves your soul, ain't you glad for the day that you got saved? Fred, ain't you glad tonight you and I that are saved aren't getting what we deserved? We're getting heaven. Getting the best thing that we could ever have. Eric Blankenship said this. He said, it wasn't so long ago that we stood near a sandy shoreline to behold the beauty of God's creation. We were instantly surrounded by an assortment of sounds in the atmosphere around us. The seagulls were chattering, the sea was crashing, the siblings were cheerful, and the spectators were conversing. Yet it wasn't long before my attention was turned from these special sounds to a specific sight. He said, from the corner of my eye, I beheld two ships sailing upon the sea. At first they seemed so close together, but as their journey continued, they began to drift apart. As these vessels voyaged into the sunset, it had become clear that they were traveling in two opposite directions. He then quoted Psalm 104.26. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. Eric Blankenship goes on to say this. So are there two ships sailing from earth to eternity. As they depart, they move steadily in the direction of their destination. One is the ship of Satan and his crew of sinners that are captive to his control. The ship is full of darkness, deceit, and death. The devil lies to the occupants on board, leading them to believe that this is the best way to spend their days as they sail on the ship of sin. Well, that's what we deserve. Then he goes on to say they are too confused to realize that the longer they stay on this ship, the closer they are getting to the harbor of hell. He goes on to say, I'm thankful that there's a second ship that's available, for, that's available for travel. It's the ship of the Savior as He guides His blood-washed children safely across the sea of life. The occupants on board this vessel are those that have been born again as they are surrounded by the life, love, and light of the Lord. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, flows from their lips as they near heaven's harbor. And they know that their journey is nearing the end. Yes, there go the ships sailing in two opposite directions. Which one are you a passenger on? Friend, I'd like to say, by grace, I'm on that ship going to heaven tonight. Hallelujah, friend. Only way we got there was by the Holy Ghost of God drawing us, wooing us unto Christ. Friend, aren't you glad for the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ? Not only that, but I'm also glad it's Jesus that's on the right hand of power tonight. Friend, I'm telling you, Satan just thinks he's got it under control. But he don't. Jesus Christ has it all under control on the throne of God. And the next time that you're feeling down, you remember this. Remember who's on the throne. Remember who's in control. Remember that our Lord is the one in power tonight. And in the end, child of God, we win. And the devil loses. And he don't like it. It makes him mad. But I'm just glad to be on the one inside. Amen. Let's all stand our heads bowed and our eyes closed real fast. We'll give a little altar call tonight. And I'll let you go.
Maybe you're here tonight. You'd just like to come and thank God He's the one in power. I know sometimes we look around and we can get down and, and we can get depressed. Maybe you'd just like to come and say, God, I just want to thank you that you are in power. You've proved it time and time and time again. Who'd just like to come and thank Him tonight? Gather around the altar. Maybe you'd like to come and thank Him tonight as well for Him leading you into the truth of the gospel. Hey, He didn't have to. He could have given us what we deserve. But we didn't. Hey, if you're glad tonight, why don't you come and thank Him? He didn't have to make heaven your home. But He done that for you because He loves you. Would you come and thank Him? Would you come? I'll say this before we close. Maybe you're here tonight and you're lost. If that's you tonight, would you come to this altar and get